Welcome to Slot Plus, the segment of our show for Slate Plus subscribers. This week I'm hosting in Julia's stead, and our subject this week is top 10 lists, because Laura and I both came out with ours this week. I don't know. It seems like, Steve, you should probably spring the first question at us, since you didn't have to make a list. <laughs> it's true. Do you, you really don't like to make them, do you? No, I don't. I think, well, I think I enjoyed making my list a little bit more this year because I sort of presented it in the form of an essay and I maybe treated it a bit more like a piece of, of writing than I usually do. The selection process is fun. You know, narrowing down the movies is fun. I think what I don't like about list making is the combative nature of, you know, list comparing once you get it out there. You know, yeah, I don't, I, th- I don't love that moment of your list going out and then, you know, the inevitable, like, what are you crazy? Where's this? Why is that? Yeah. It, it is all so arbitrary and subjective and really just all about love. And I always feel like I'm tenderly offering up my little shoots of love and then, you know, somebody is shaming <laughs> me or no. Do you, do you feel that about your list? I think it's different with book lists because you can reasonably expect that someone will have seen most of the movies on your list and then will have seen a bunch of movies that you left off of your list. I mean, obviously, you're not going to see every movie released in the year, but you can account for sort of most of the major releases, right? Whereas there's no way to do that with books. So every book critics list is is pretty um, idiosyncratic. And so when someone says, Oh, I, why didn't you pick such and such? I thought that was great. You know, you can be pretty sure that they haven't read eight out of the 10 books on your list. So they can't really, you know, say this was better than that. I mean, it's just because basically hardly anybody reads books. You, um, and there are so many different titles released that I think there's more freedom. There's less of a sort of, um, competitive nature amongst the list makers. Yeah, that may be true. That may be true. I think in particular, yeah, film critic comparisons. Yeah, there's a, certain, there's gets, a mindset of... Everyone's um, sort of shouldering everybody else and saying, no, you know, I can't believe... Yeah, it's, it's much more combative, I think. It's funny that books is kind of this realm where people feel more entitled to their opinion than movies. You know, most of us are reading far more of the new releases than than our readers are. And it's also, I mean, just the sheer temporality of reading a book makes it less likely that you're going to run into someone who is at the same yes. point of yeah. the same book at the same time so that you can argue about it. Yeah. And yeah. people who don't like like a book abandon it. I mean, very, yeah. very rarely does someone stick with a book that they're not enjoying. And you sort of have this, uh, you know, de gustabas or whatever, de, whatever the phrase is, you know, I mean, you know, there's just no disputing taste and you kind of move on. Whereas, you know, you sit through movies to the end and you can't believe that someone foisted it on you and you have the fight. Here's a question. Do you feel, Dana, do you feel as though you learned something by forcing yourself to do the list as arbitrary as it is um, to come up with 10? Something about the year, the quality of the movies, the direction of the movie business or yourself, your own taste? I I mean, the, the latter, definitely. I think it's definitely as a kind of personal survey of your own viewing habits and experiences during the year. And as a way of kind of taking stock of, of your year in movies, I, I think it, I do find it some sort of growth exercise. But my one of my least favorite parts of putting the list together is precisely the first element that you talked about, trying to find a theme, trying to find some sort of topic sentence that will tie all of these wildly different experiences together. 
And part of the, I think, making a list, I'm sure this is true with books as well, is that there is kind of a question of, of, for me, of balancing it out. It can't all be, you know, dark, depressing dramas. I want to have a couple of comedies on there. I want to represent some foreign films on there. It's it's not a question of, you know, here's my token foreign film, but more like, let me cast my mind over the full breadth of experience of, of movies this year and, and see what, what I can bring together. And so by their very nature, they're very heterodox choices. And it always feels fake to me to say, like, it was all about strong women this year, or it was all about <laughs> ducks with machine guns or whatever, you know. <laughs> It's about wildly different things. Well, and also, you know, I don't know if this is the case with films because some some of these films might be hard to see or they weren't they were low profile. But I really like making the list because I feel like this is probably the the level of endorsement the the endorsement that I make every year that has the most impact on what people actually read. You know, I hear from people who say I go out and get these things on the basis of your recommendation. So I like to have it be a mix because um there's a whole different kinds of people reading it and some are going to want like a sparkling social comedy and some are going to want to read a work of history and some are going to want to read a sort of moody crime novel and some are going to want to read a, you know, a love story or whatever. So I try to have it be because I know that even more than the, than a review, these top 10 lists really motivate people to try something. I, I want it to, to have something for everybody. Well, let me ask then, um, Laura, on that note, what book that people might not find otherwise was on your list this year that, that you think deserves an audience that it might not have? Hmm. Interesting question. Um, okay. Well, I'm just going to go with a book that was certainly not unheralded, but because it's a short story collection is just sort of innately less likely to be picked up. I mean, readers famously are not super keen on short story collections. It's called What is Not Yours is Not Yours by Helen Oyayemi, who is a Nigerian-British writer. And people who like Angela Carter, who like um, short stories that are fairly um, full of event and often not entirely realistic, will really love her her work. Hmm. Excellent. Dana, same question to you for movies. Uh, yeah, sort of like what's the most outlier thing on my list? What's the most under the radar thing? I guess off the top of my head, I would say probably Tony Erdman, although I am seeing that appear on a lot of critics' lists as, as one of their favorite foreign films of the year. It hasn't opened yet, at least here in the U.S. It's opening Christmas week, I believe. And it's uh, it's directed by Maren Ade, who's a German female director. And it's just a very, very odd, peripatetic comedy that's hard to describe in its strange its You make strange it sound really appealing. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get to what's so, so unique about it. And the story is essentially the story of a man, a middle-aged German man, who goes to Bucharest, Romania, to visit his daughter, who's a businesswoman there. And sort of the, the awkward visit they have together and... Then the, the permutations, the, the strange things that, that happen after she thinks he's left the country and he hasn't actually left yet. Um, and all I will say is that this movie takes you to completely unexpected places, that it makes you burst out with laughter at the strangest times, that it has some very dark social satire and also some extremely crazy slapstick comedy. And, uh, and yeah, that it's just like a wild ride kind of movie. Um, so yeah, Tony Erdman's probably my, my weirdo outlier. 
Dana, if you could get out of this, would you? You know, I think I, in the end, I wouldn't. It's 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 not my favorite assignment of the year. The whole thing that it leads to, I think it's more that it all starts to be pointed at this point toward, towards awards and Oscars and all of that. And insofar as lists signify the beginning of that season, they kind of bring me down. But ultimately, going back and going over all those movies and thinking about why you love them and rewatching some of them sometimes, if you saw them early in the year, and sort of comparing their merits, that stuff is all really fun. And I would not want to not be part of the conversation because I know I like reading the lists of critics that I like. Like Laura, I'd get a lot out of them. So yeah, yeah despite too. my bitching, Absolutely. ultimately, no, don't editor, don't de-assign de me, please, from the 10 best list. Laura, what about you? Oh, no, I, I really love doing it. I mean, my feeling is like, oh, they're going to really like this. You know, I, I feel mm. like I have a longstanding relationship with readers who, who, really pay attention to this in the various venues that I've written it for. And so I, I'm i always like, I'm excited about it. Well, something that's sort of technically challenging about it in a good way is that you're forced to re, sometimes if you've reviewed the book or movie, to re-say something you've yeah. already said in a new way, right? To sort of make a, a capsule and fresh version of a review that you've already The only written. really hard part is writing that, you know, like 75-word description in a way that just doesn't sound like total puffery. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Um, Dana, I, I punted back to you, I guess, to close it out. Oh, yes. I forgot that I'm Julia this week. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to this segment. And thank you for being subscribers to Slate Plus and helping to support Slate and the journalism we do. We will talk to you next week.